The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sue Martin's joining us today from Agate Investment out of Clarion, Iowa. And an interesting day because just before we started doing the Fontenelle Final Bell, word did come out that Poet has cut jobs in part because they're talking about the the waivers that have been given. And um, that, as you and I talked, Sue, before we started this, is going to make things a little bit more interesting, not only for the ethanol market, but for this corn market. Well, it is, and today's break, I think, was um, mainly due to weather crossing across Iowa and the um, pro-farmer tour entering into Nebraska where, you know, some of the better corn is, And um, but the pod counts, I think, will still be down even in Iowa or Nebraska but um, compared to a year ago, but then also this news from Poet, you know, just adding a possibility of another 100 million bushels to our carryout is not what we need and i think they ought to reach out to the president and ask for some reprieve here that he changes his mind on this i i don't understand why he did that knowing full well that the i mean so they give us the mfp payments big deal yes they help but they're not the cat's meow and that is not how the farmer wants to earn his income and right now we're just continuing to see it slip away so it's a little bit of a concern and you know, time will tell, but um, yeah, we don't need anything like that. We need POET. And of course, maybe they're a little bit on the concern side while they don't say it. They might be concerned that there won't be enough corn out there to be able to pull. And that kind of leads into the fact that, you know, the Pro Farmer Tour is underway. We know that everybody's been about two weeks behind from all the chatter that we've seen. And as you kind of glean that information, it sounded like South Dakota was not good. Nebraska has been pretty decent as they get closer to Iowa on today's tour. A lot of concerns, though, as, as Pro Farmer continues and shares that information out with the world. Well, I think so. Um, I think that... Um uh, when we look at, um, you know, when we hear the pod counts tonight, I still think they will be down. Uh, good, but down. You know, I know in Iowa, the, the better looking beans are knee high, maybe a little over. And, um, and, you know, depending, I've had various clients tell me more so in eastern Iowa and maybe in south central Iowa where the beans are potted you know, the nodules are like two inches apart. You know, the thing about soybeans is you can give them a rain at the last minute and they could add five bushels. But our nights remain cool. And that keeps those beans kind of at bay. It doesn't stress them. They stay nice and lush and green. But on the same token, it just isn't getting them home. It isn't pushing them. And um, I think that's what they're going to find. Now, what's interesting is the Pro Farmer Tour... Uh, last year overstated the final U.S. soybean yield by 1.4 bushels to the acre and the final corn yield by 9 tenths bushel to the acre. And I know that Pro Farmer has said that they'll release their numbers late Thursday night, but what's interesting is is that if you look at um, their corn in 8 out of the last 8 years and 12 out of the last 14 years, the pro-farmer corn yield forecast understated the USDA September report. And then you look at the soybeans, 
and uh, they tended to um, pretty much uh, overstate on the beans. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what we'll, we'll get out of here, out of this, this tour. More than anything, I think this tour is giving us confirmation of what we maybe already know, but also a confirmation of just how late, even in the good areas, how slow the beans are coming around. And then that might be that we get closer into September. You know, beans tend to seasonally rally in the last half of August into about September 9th, 10th, 12th. And that's kind of like your pre-harvest rally, and then they drop off. Where corn seasonally, and wheat follows corn, but seasonally corn tends to decline in the last half of August on into about September 19th strike a little bit of a low, chop around, maybe dip a little bit more in early October and then strike a bottom and then start up from there. This year's going to be so different because our harvest is going to be later. And if it gets pushed with, you know, because we're not going to have the heat. And so, in fact, fall might be ushered in a little bit faster than normal. And you look up in Canada and northwestern Canada and Northwestern Canada and Alaska are already starting to see snowfall or snow flurries. Um, Canadian geese are forming their V's and flying south. It's, it's just all signs that it feels like it's going to be an early fall. Now, the key will be how early is the frost freeze. Some of these crops, even on a regular normal frost date, freeze date, may not make it and get cut short. But... Um, I, I think the nighttime temperatures are a disadvantage, even though they're not, they don't feel un- oppressively hot or uncomfortable, it's not pushing these beans ahead. And corn, yep, it's helped the corn maybe fill its kernel a little better and what have you, but not pushing it to come closer with growing degree days. So I think the concern is that the lack of heat that we really have here, we've not had a summer of oppressive heat. And when we realized that the majority of the corn pollination was getting done other than yes Michigan and Wisconsin are running really behind but you know no offense to them the the country tends to look elsewhere more than not and a lot of that corn will be chopped for silage for dairies so it's more important about the rest of us and when we're not getting the heat units that we really need and most of the crop got pollinated that was 90% of your yield expectation for corn. It dropped the market. Well, now we're in August, and August is bean month. Beans are trying to hang on, but I just have a feeling that if you take corn down to 350, which I would not underestimate, and that's new contract lows for this year's Dees corn. We have more coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sue Martin's joining us for the second half. And I know today it's extremely hot here in Nebraska. I mean, this is, you can hear the corn probably with a little bit of excitement having this kind of heat and humidity. But we know cooler temperatures are moving back in and it kind of revolves back around what you said. You know, we're starting to get those early signs of maybe a possible early fall. But we have been very fortunate. You guys got some really nice rains yesterday. And in some readings I was doing, Sue, some pockets that needed the rain received it. That's right. We did. Um, We've gotten um, rains through the night. Well, we actually had rains on Sunday night, too. Or I should say 
actually it might have been more like Saturday night, Sunday morning, and then we came back through with even better rains overnight. And, um, you know, it, it pretty much generally crossed most of the state and moving east. So I think this weighed on the corn market, but it was certainly good for areas that didn't need the ra- or did need the rain. Um, it was good for those folks and um, probably is kind of like just sort of sewing them up pretty nicely. Um, yes, it weighed on the price, but, you know, we have a ways to go. And a lot of times you'll put your lows in and then you turn and you rally into the turn of the year. So we'll see what happens. I know I've certainly been looking at the year ahead and looking at weighing what the the um, what-ifs are that could change the outlook for the next year. Um, there is a tendency in a year of a zero to have higher highs made than the year before. So that's a good thing. What will the reasons be? We're hoping that it's demand. Jump over to what we're seeing on the livestock side. They have got to be closely watching all the happenings that are taking place in this grain market and many banking, shall we say, on some some cheaper grain come fall, but knowing that the supply might not be there. That's exactly right. And I think that livestock producers do need to keep an eye on the the cheaper feed prices to be able to do some locking in and protect that feed cost because the price of, of meat or the price of cattle has dropped so hard here you know, feeders, looking at October feeder cattle, the high this year was 162.90. Would you have thought we'd be down and go all the way down to like 127, um, you know, the, the upper 20s? Who would have thought? And you've got an outside range year going, a higher high and a lower low than last year. That sets this market up for a big range, and it sets us up for some vulnerability this next year. So... um you know, one thing they don't need is to see the feed price go out of whack. Right now, it doesn't look like that may happen, but we all know who would have guessed that you would have had a huge rally in about a month's time in the corn market. I remember May 14th, and everybody was, it was a number 10 on the scale of uh, 0 to 10, 10 being the, the best of uh, how depressed farmers were because they had not sold uh, grain very well. And they got a reprieve. And in many cases, depending on the areas, um, they got a beautiful inverted basis to go along with it. So now we're looking at harvest coming around the corner. And the question mark is how many people are out there holding grain? Um, you know, and did they get any sold? And if they didn't, what do they do? Well, in Nebraska, you guys are blessed with a crop that looks pretty decent. So your crop may store well. But there's a lot of areas where that isn't the case, where the the new crop isn't going to store well, and they may need to use that old crop to move at a harvest time. And so, now, I was going to say, you know, as they you, need to watch rallies. As you look too, so to the east of you, and we hear so much talk about how Nebraska is doing, how South Dakota's had issues, how Iowa's doing pretty good, but those eastern states, including you know just to the north of you, Minnesota, Wisconsin, as you head over into Illinois, Ohio, the struggle becomes very real. It does become real, and I wouldn't be surprised by what we're pulling grain out of Iowa into the eastern Corn Belt past the Mississippi. Um, and you look at uh, Wisconsin and Michigan, and, you know, they're just kind of getting a good start of, of tasseled and pollinating. 
but that corn probably isn't going to make it home. If it does, it's a miracle. Um, and then everybody else should be okay too. But, uh, they'll chop that corn and use it for silage at the dairies. But in the meantime, uh, you know, you look at the rest of the areas, the, the hog producers in the eastern corn belt and the chicken facilities, even as you go further east and south, and they're certainly going to need corn. And it's no wonder that they're trying to bring corn in out of Argentina. Um, you know, they don't have much choice. They can't grab a hold of it. And cattle producers. I know this summer we there was a cattle producer, a large one in um, uh, Ohio, that was bidding for corn, just huge, over the board, inverted, and couldn't get the corn bought. Is the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sue? Well, our number is one eight hundred five two seven zero zero five one, and uh, y'all have a great day. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Sue Martin, joining us today. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.